This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and we're here for kind of a bonus episode, or I guess Sunday was the bonus episode. We did a live all-out review. Now we're back with our regular weekly episode, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm glad to kind of be with us twice a week. I think it's the first time we've done a twice a week show, but there's been enough news, I feel like, over the past four days that it's worth talking about here. So I'm glad to get into it. How are you doing, A.B.? Doing good. This is going to shock you all, but I'm writing a brief <laughs> and uh, tired of thinking about the hepatitis C virus. So I am ready to talk some wrestling. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What is up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? I am tired and in a bad mood, so I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> chatting with you guys about some meme wrestling and, uh, you know, basically, you know, trying to avoid being a curmudgeon as much as possible. All right. Well, it's going to be a little easier on this episode because we're mostly, as Nate suggested, going to talk about memes. So that'll be fun. We're going to talk about Chris Jericho losing the belt. We're going to talk about a little bit of the bubbly. Uh, all out pay-per-view numbers. We just got those recorded or reported rather in the Observer newsletter. Full gear, the next pay-per-view. We're going to talk about that and how they're building for TV. And I think Nate is going to talk about BTE. Yeah, sure. Okay, excellent. But let's start with the the biggest story of the week. And that has to be Chris Jericho losing the AEW championship belt mere hours after winning it at uh, All Out on Saturday. So we first learned about this. Well, I think somebody posted it on Reddit, right? Uh, there was a police report filed with the Tallahassee Police Department. So my understanding is because of the hurricane, Jericho's flight to Tampa was diverted to Tallahassee. So what we have here from the Tallahassee PD is the victim reported the theft of his championship wrestling belt while he was eating inside Longhorn Steakhouse. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's very a very Florida story already. Uh, so he stated he arrived at the Millionaire Club Airport Terminal and placed the belt inside his rented limousine. Um, basically, limo driver takes him to Longhorn, but he got the wrong luggage from the airport, uh, I think. And so the limo driver had to go back to the airport to switch those out, uh, showed back up, and he had no championship belt. And so they called the cops. Uh We'll get into this later, but it's starting to just look like, I don't know. What do you think? You think the limo driver was doing something with the belt and lost it? No, I mean, so it was found on the side of the road. It sounds like maybe it was left on the roof of the car or something and it flew off and they took a turn, something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, the other, uh, I guess, uh, outcome would be somebody actually did take it and then abandoned it when they realized how much uh, attention <laughs> was being paid to this thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when the police report was filed and this was a $30,000 belt, you know, I mean, when you like look at it, you're like, okay, that's a huge belt. But when you like see it in person, it's so much bigger and you realize, oh, the heat's going to be on me if I just take this and try to pawn this off. So it's just a wild story. I did a poll on my Twitter account this week to see if this, to, to kind of decide what All Elite is, trying to decide if it's the uh, modern day incarnation of Jim Crockett promotions and WCW or if we're on board this mystical, like magical realism story taking place in the Everglades, and it was a 50-50 split. 
on the pole. <laughs> so classic. This is about as Florida as you get to the point that uh, I, I'm reading down our notes that it was a Florida State employee that felt that found the title. Like this is yes. rules. Like, and have either of y'all been inside a Longhorn Steakhouse before? Can't say I have. No. It's basically so you have your Texas Roadhouse level steak, like massive chain steak restaurants, and they're about the same level as like your Outback and like that. This is the one that's like just the shade classier. So it's like going to a Chili's versus an Applebee's. So it, it's very appropriate for Jericho that this is what happened is that he, he didn't just spring for a Texas Roadhouse steak. He had to go to the Longhorn Steakhouse. And then the Millionaire Club Airport Terminal. I love the story. Like they really should have just strung this out even after getting the title back. But I know that would have been impossible. I just love this. Yeah, so they tried to. They We started turning it into a story with Jericho filming a video from his hot tub, announcing he was launching a worldwide investigation. Unfortunately, like the next day, the Tallahassee PD found the belt. Well, we'll get into how they found it. Uh, it was on the side of the road. According to reporting from the Tallahassee Democrat, Frank Price, a 41-year-old Florida State employee, discovered the belt in a velvet bag in the middle of a turn lane on Sunday evening. Uh, he Googled, realized what he was, what he was looking at, uh, but assumed it was a replica. So this has to be the best part of the story. He listed it on Craigslist Lost and Found. Amazing. Uh, but ultimately, someone told him, uh, you know, he found out after the story broke what he was dealing with. So he took it back to the police. Here's my thing on the maybe the limo driver actually doing something to screw up here because the limo driver gave the guy 200 bucks when he ran into him as a reward for returning it. <laughs> Yeah, to, uh, to answer your poll, uh, the correct answer is that this, of course, is the uh, uh, successor promotion to WCW because, you know, Vince Russo era, WCW especially, was hypermodernism where you really have that uh, blend of the hyper or uh, the the southern fried magical realism that you get in there. Um, so just to put a point on that. The... Tallahassee PD posted a picture with the belt, quickly deleted it. Apparently, I think the promotion was still hoping to use this as some sort of story. But then AEW had to confirm that the police department had the belt. And we got a video of a very red Chris Jericho with the belt. Uh, you know, got to worry about Chris Jericho. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't really. If you listen to the podcast, he's like pretty lucid and sharp. There's a lot of uh, you know concern trolling that like Chris Jericho is a total alcoholic and like yes he writes about being an alcoholic in his books and shit. Um, you know this is just rock star shit. This is what your world champion should do is take a limo to Longhorn Steakhouse and get uh, you know stupid drunk. Um, that's just like he's a superstar. He's really um, this will this will please friend of the show Ferrante. Uh, he's like in the Mike Tyson zone as Bill Simmons coined it where. <laughs> You can you you can believe that he would do anything. Like any headline could come up with Chris Jericho in it, and you'd be like, "Yeah, no, it sounds about right." It's just such a ridiculous seventy-two hours for Chris Jericho. I mean, it, if anything is proven, this guy is probably one of the most charismatic and inventive people in wrestling. It everything has been done since then to make this just such a incredibly ridiculous story. Like this really is straight out of a Carl Hyacinth book about. You know, the only thing that make this better is if this actually happened in the Everglades, like that somehow an alligator got the belt and then they came across someone deep inside the Tamiami Trail to find it. And I make 
Jericho was able to spin all this into gold. He's so good at this. And this is also something proving how forward thinking this company is versus WWE. If WWE was in a situation where one, well, we're going to get into the, a little bit of the bubbly later, they're not going to be able to create a meme out of it. And two, they were able to be on the ball and mostly kind of work this into a way that was that, that actually feels organic with uh, how Twitter is today, social media is today. And, you know, it's just exciting. It makes me wonder what all kind of shenanigans it'll get up to with Chris Jericho's champion. My only other, well, I want to say about that, like this should also quiet for good the people who said he shouldn't be the first champion or whatever. He's like a great champion. It rules. <laughs> you know, it's just perfect. Yeah, and was like covered, you know, uh, across the world, like in fucking BBC site and shit. So great exposure for your belt. Um, you know, kind of in a like semi-ironic way, but just a fun couple of days. I'm not going to like, you know, the, the death of a meme is to like explain it or like analyze it. Um, you know, it's like uh, Hillary Clinton tweeting, delete your account. Like, so I'm going to try and stay away from that. My only other comment on the belt fiasco is the police report did list a subject, but it was redacted. Uh, and of course, Second degree grand theft, which is what this would be because it's worth between $20,000 and $100,000 in Florida, would carry a penalty of up to 15 years in prison. So I just want to say that if they find that somebody stole this, uh, Tony Khan, do not cooperate with the prosecution in this case. It's ridiculous. It's a fucking belt and you got it back. So you got it back and you got it back in a way that this made major news yeah. in, a, in a fashion that doesn't happen very often in WWE. So this is good PR. The belt does not look to be damaged. Just go with it. Like whoever like picked up on the side of the road, realized what they had and went, Nope. Like just let them walk free in this instance. Like this is truly a victimless crime. Uh, in more meme news. Yes. After, after, not after all out, uh, Chris Jericho has a great little segment where he's in uh, a locker room. It's like tarped off. Like, you know, you do after a sports team has won a championship and he's spraying champagne on just like this one other interviewer guy. It's very funny. And from this was birthed him saying a little bit of the bubbly, which has gone everywhere, including uh, the Oakland A's Twitter account, I believe. I'm not sure if that killed the meme, Nate. But uh, it's it's gone pretty wild. Yeah, I think I uh, should shout out Oren on Twitter, uh, who really had two giant memes blow up because she was really also the first person on the Jeremy Renner app. Um, just a, a great hound for content. Uh, and she, uh, you know, excerpted this. So uh, as long as we're talking directly to Tony, um, she would want some free merch for uh, getting that bubbly bit out there. It's only fair. You know what else is fair? The odds you can get at mybookie.ag. Let's talk about betting on sports. What do you say? Oh, I love betting on sports. College football starting, or no, it started last week. You could claim it started two weeks ago, you know, for uh, the U. Uh, but it started in earnest last week. NFL starting this weekend. Lots of shit to bet on. And there's no better place to bet, of course, than mybookie.ag. Uh, you play, you win, you get paid. Nate really liked that catchphrase last week, so I thought I'd bring it back. Some interesting things to bet on. So AT brought this up. Can you bet on politics? You can I was, oh, absolutely. Looking, I was looking at the presidential election uh, odds today. Oh, and you can bet on a lot of political things. I've started to play around with my bookie AG too. Like there's a lot of things. 
Yeah, so the favorite on the Democratic side, Elizabeth Warren on the odds. I was a little surprised by that. You know, when I was like looking at all the prospects, it kind of makes sense that she would be one that would be pretty high right right now. If you're one Elizabeth Warren, it is last time I checked it, it was plus 150. So I mean, yeah, still not like an overwhelming favorite. Like there's a lot of people here that if you want to use like their great first deposit bonus here, you could toss some cash on this. And I mean, Elizabeth Warren at 150. You also have Bernie Sanders at 550. That's the best bet on the board. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the best bet on the board. And if you want to do a complete, like, just galaxy brain thing, they have the overall presidential election to win I'm looking at right now, AB. Howard Schultz is at at plus (laughs) $50,000. Is is his campaign still active? No. No. Basically, (laughs) what he said was if Bernie gets the nominee uh, nomination, he'll come back. Wow. He, he's yeah. not he's not even the worst person, Nate, on the board for a plus presidential election. Do you want to take a guess who that is? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> the late Lyndon LaRouche. <laughs> not on the board. However, 60000 plus. So you bet $10, you get $6,000. John Kasich. You got to love it. I was surprised to see uh, Trump, the prohibitive favorite, to win the election, but I guess that's you know basically against the uh, the field. Yeah, yeah. I, so. But you can basically on mybookie.ag you can bet on anything. I've been playing around with it. You could bet on the name of what the next pope's going to be. That's a good Love one. Love it. Love it. Right now, both in the clubhouse favorites at plus three thirty are Leo and Francis. So hey, you won't put me on that. <laughs> College football, like AB was saying, and of course you know how much I love. Uh, esports is a whole big weekend coming up ahead. I- I'm going to name five esports teams, and okay. only one of the names here is going to be fake. Four are real, okay. one are fake. Ready? Right. Royal Never Give Up, Elevation Gaming, Fun Fun Plus Phoenix, FlyQuest, Clutch Gaming. Which one of those five are fake? Clutch Gaming sounds fake. Nate, what's your guess? Uh, Clutch Gaming is that LeBron James's esports? <laughs> Clutch Gaming is real. It is owned partially by the Houston Rockets. Oh, mm, weird. Ele- Elevation Gaming, Mind's Eye. But you can bet on League of Legends. You can bet on Overwatch. You can bet pretty much on anything with mybookie.ag. And if you're betting football, by the way, my cats favored by 15 over Eastern Michigan this weekend. If you're looking for a, a great play, and did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? So you can bet on uh, different halves and whatnot. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. So join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. As Mike was talking about a minute ago, you just use the promo code ELITE to activate the offer. That's promo code E-L-I-T-E. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. You know what? While we're doing plugs. I forgot to do plugs off the top. So (laughs) make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I shouldn't do this here because if you skip the ad read, you're going to miss this. At everything AEW on Twitter, you can subscribe to the show, Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or by subscribing to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, leave us a rating and review. We will maybe talk about it on the show. All right, all out. We got some news on all out uh, pay-per-views and whatnot, pay-per-view buys and whatnot. Looks like 
The traditional U.S. television pay-per-views were down significantly from Double or Nothing, although they're going to be higher than All In. Uh, streaming pay-per-view on BR Live was up. This may be related to TNT did a one-hour hype show, 10 p.m. Friday night. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and they pushed BR Live as the way to see it rather than traditional pay-per-view. So it makes some sense that those numbers would be up. Uh, the Fight TV numbers were down. That ties in again. Uh, also, you know, there's some suggestion from Dave and the Observer that losing Omega versus Moxley could have been a real key in some of these numbers going down, which seems fair. Uh, the straight number that that Dave reports is that the U.S. television pay-per-view buys were about 28,000. Double or nothing as of, you know, this time after that show was at about 35,000, ended up at 39. So you could expect this to go up a little bit. And altogether, you add all the pay-per-view buys, it'll probably be about 100,000. So pretty well down from double or nothing. Uh, does that concern anyone as we go into uh, TV or as this promotion progresses? I'm okay with it, to be honest. I think that the fact that it's still trending to be about 100,000 is very positive, given that this was the second show and this was done kind of after the first one and without much promotion outside the TNT, uh, just like that, that sizzler. So I'm pretty, I'd be pretty okay with that. I mean, if you have a 20% reduction in TV buys when that's not been your focus, then that seems to be decent. I mean, BR Live is going to be their major play. So I think that if BR Live did well, then, you know, it's okay. And I mean, this was pretty much just a YouTube and event promoted show. So at the end of the day, it's not outstanding. Like I can't like spin this into like an absolute slam dunk thing, but it's not bad. It seems like it's showing staying power, which is something that Vince meant, not Vince, something that Dave mentioned in the observer. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. There was also a nugget in there where Dave was doing this thing where he compares shared buyers between the two different shows, and it seemed to suggest that a lot of the buyers of this show had not bought Double or Nothing, which suggests like new interest or maybe people watching it uh, through a new uh, method. But I, I really just don't know. We're gonna we're gonna have to get a few of these like you know in the rear view to really see any sort of trends and it's all going to change when they have television promotion as well. So it's also weird in that the, the hype show that was on TNT did 390,000 viewers, which uh, I understand is about double what TNT does in that time frame normally and time slot normally. So that means that, you know, a th well, not even a third, a quarter of those people went on to buy the pay-per-view in some way. And it's even not even that good, really, because a lot of those buys were outside of uh, the U.S. So I don't know. That's just that's like a I don't know how to compare it on a conversion rate basis, really. Uh, so maybe it's a great conversion rate. It just I would I expected the number was going to be a little better after I saw that the hype show numbers. Yeah, that's fair. I also think that we're working on such a small data data set at this point that it's going to be hard to see a true trend maybe until after full gear. But it's interesting, though especially if it seems like they're going to be doing this going forward Friday nights before each of their big temple shows. Speaking of full gear, it's going to happen November 9 at Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Tickets are going to go on sale on Friday, September 6 at noon. Uh, the matches, we have Omega Moxley. So that's finally going to happen, presumably, at full gear. And just before we went on air, uh, Chris Jericho versus Cody. 
for the AEW World Championship was announced. So good little card starting out for this show. Yeah, so I think it's interesting that it's two months away and we know the top two matches um, at this point. And there's also going to be a month of television before we get to this pay-per-view, which is a little more in the vein of like a New Japan card announcement uh, timeline than a WWE one. Like, you know, they're not booking the match on the booking the next pay-per-view main event on the television. We've got it well in advance and they're going to spend presumably the first month building up to these matches. Um, and yeah, pretty good top slate. Uh, Omega versus Moxley was uh, and probably, well, was their top match they could have done to this point. And, uh, you know, Jericho versus Cody is like the two hottest guys on the face and heel side probably. So I think it speaks... I think announcing both of these matches speaks a little to a concern about ticket sales in that they're going to be in DC, you know, a month before this. And we see that the secondary market on that show has collapsed. Uh, There may be some concern about filling up another building in that general area. So it makes sense to get, you know, what is this your four biggest names, at least four of your biggest names already announced. Yeah, I'd I'd argue that that's what they're trying to do here is by having these two matches announced as tickets as we're recording go on sale tomorrow morning. That it's smart to have this all laid out. And I mean, Omega Moxley, we've talked about it at length, but still a first time ever matchup. So there's a draw there for Baltimore. Then, you know, if they're going to make wins and losses matter, which thing that Tony Khan has said repeatedly, Cody has probably the best singles wins, wins and loss record in the company. So by all, he has the biggest claim for the title so far. I mean, he beat his brother and then, and then he also beat, uh, <clears throat> a, he went to a draw with Darby and then he beat Spears. So, I mean, he's two Oh and one, he has not suffered a singles loss yet. And he has Sammy Guevara in Washington. So that should be three Oh and one. So if, if you're someone that's like complaining about like how they book things and like this, they've had a pretty clear statement of purpose with how they were going to build these title matches. And outside of how they got to the the world title match at All Out, this makes perfect sense. So you get this, you get these two matches on the marquee about 12 hours before the tickets go on sale, and you're able to go, go with this. And this gives them about, it'll be six episodes of TV. This will give them 12 hours to build both of these matches on TNT, which I think is something that we can't underestimate. I'd hope to come on here and argue that Cody should be the challenger and win the title, but then they like went ahead and booked the match. So not really much I can say, except that I think it's the right move. Cody is the biggest star in the building, probably at all out. Um, and he's, he's the guy who feels he on the same level as Jericho, who feels like a big deal when you're there at the show. So I think it makes sense. And I've seen some people express some concern that AEW won't go all the way with Cody because of, are you worried that he's one of the VPs and he's going to be the world champion? And so I kind of hope they'll ignore that because just the reactions are what they are. Uh, the guy is super over and would make a great baby face champion. Yeah. Now I have to have Jericho have a longer title run to establish the belt. He's also been the biggest star in wrestling over the last 72 hours. No way should he lose it yet. All right, let's talk TV. Uh, There's going to be a lot of that before full gear comes around. Uh, We got our first road to AEW on TNT this week. 
it was uh, largely recaps from from All Out, but they're all setting up, you know, the the big matches that are coming in the first TV episode. So we see the Battle Royale, uh, Nyla eliminating over half the field. He talks about as uh, Tony Schiavone is in is in the AEW Control Center and is breaking this down for us. He recaps Riho's win over Hikaru Shida. He mispronounces both Hikaru Shida and Riho, which you gotta love. Uh, but reminds us, of course, that Nyla Rose versus Riho is going to take place on that first TV episode. It also shows the Santana and Ortiz debut uh, and kind of suggests that they may be involved in the tag team tournament. We see Cody and Sean Spears recaps and, of course, tease the Cody-Sammy Guevara match for the first TV show. And then the main event of Chris Jericho beating Adam Page and hyping up Jericho and the mystery partners, which will probably be Santana and Ortiz, taking on the Bucks. And Kenny Omega. So I thought this was a pretty effective way to remind people what's going to be on that first show. Get people excited for that all over again. Yeah. And on top of that, you're building up Sammy Guevara versus Cody, which is their first singles match that they've announced in the men's division on TV. So I thought like this did a pretty good job of what we assume the uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, show is going to be like. So I think this was a pretty effective use. I mean, Tony, go over the name so you can pronounce them correctly. I've noticed that that's a thing is that people forget the H in Riho. Like that is a thing. And then understand like Hikaru Shida might be kind of hard to pronounce for some people, but we're at a point now they're going to be on national TV. So you've got to get all these names right. But I thought this was a pretty effective thing. I like Tony in this position. And if this is how they're going to be using like Tony going forward, I think this is a pretty strong role for him. Uh, we did not last week discuss Justin Roberts' pronunciation of PAC. Yeah, he announced, yeah. He announced him as Pac both before and after the match. That's how you're supposed to pronounce his name, actually. But no one ever does. Everyone calls him Pac, but it, it's traditionally been called Pac dating back to his time in the UK. I mean, in Dragon Gate, they always said Pac. So I think that might be where, I, where people picked up on that, but it's Pac. It's just so you get so used to saying the other one, but that's and he never corrects people on it. So, but it's Pac. I also uh, I didn't I don't like his time cue reads because he like seems to take on some weird voice or like accent when he does five minutes remaining or whatever it is like mm. just like say it he seems like he's trying to be too uh, too quaint about it or something that didn't strike me live uh, Pack certainly did which I am vetoing I will probably continue to call him Pac yeah I think I'm sticking with Pac. <laughs> Okay, well, that's uh, that's the road to AEW on TNT. I, I guess the interesting thing left about that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this, at least among our group of friends, of how many people are going to watch this damn thing. And uh, I thought the 390,000 people watching the hype show was such a big number that it made me adjust up my expectations. I was, I've been thinking if they get 500,000, that'd be great. Uh, now I'm thinking... Uh, I said privately, you know, like 750 is kind of now what this number makes me think. Dave said in the Observer that he believes that the first show should do at least 800,000 viewers, which would make it a clear success. But of course, it's going to be the numbers, you know, much farther after this that will really determine whether uh, they're going to be a success. But how does this affect your all's view of how many people are going to watch the first show? Do you, do you now think it's going to be more successful than you thought or does it really play a big uh, role in that for you. 
Uh, I think I had predicted on here about 800,000 was my sort of uh, uh, ballpark figure, if I recall correctly, or I'm just conflating myself with Dave again. Uh, and I don't really think this changes that. I don't really know what to make of that 390,000 because, like you said, they did not all convert to being paying viewers. Um, so you have like, you have, you know, upwards of 300,000 people who are going to follow this promotion anywhere and find it on 10 p.m. on a on a Saturday night with no promotion or a Friday night with no promotion, um, but then not watch the pay-per-view. I don't, th this number I, does not mean anything to me. Yeah, it's hard to extrapolate anything from 390,000 on a Friday night when you're going to be running shows either on Wednesdays or Saturdays. Like this is also goes into where I say like we have a very small data set we're working with here. And I think, I know Dave gets a whole bunch of numbers and I know that the Nielsen numbers are readily available if you want to kind of go that way. But I, I was with uh, Bentley about saying 750 before, but before this came out, before Dave readjusted, I think my band would have probably be eight to 900,000 probably like, I think eight, it just seems like that certain things are catching buzz in a way that makes me wonder if it's going to convert into TV viewers. So I, I, I don't know what this means like full time. I don't know what this means, how things are going to go show to show to show, but it's all positive things. It's just, there's certain things I look at this promotion and I think, okay, they're doing well about, and the numbers look very promising. There's other numbers where I look at it and I'm like, okay, maybe you need to take a step back and reassess. But this first TV number, I'm still feeling pretty good at. And I think 900,000 for TNT on a Wednesday night where they usually would be getting 400 to 500, I believe was the number I saw. But they're usually were averaging that on Wednesday nights. I feel like that, that would be something that they'd be happy with the amount of money they're paying for AEW. It seems to me that, yeah, they, they didn't convert many of those or a lot of those viewers, but the pay-per-view is 50 bucks and the TV is free. So... I, I expect they'll be able to convert a lot more of those into uh, regular TV viewers. And like you said, there was no build for it. They announced it basically 24 hours before that this show was going to happen. And that many people found it anyway. So, I mean, to me, the floor then is 400,000 people watching the TV, right? So presumably they're going to do quite a bit better than that. We'll find out. The Chicago TV that's going to be on 1127 right back at the Sears Center. Uh, Dave reported that they've sold roughly 4,000 tickets already. I think that's a great number. If they can sell four to 5,000 a week, I think they're doing pretty well. I mean, just coming so close on the heels of All Out, I don't know. I, I was impressed they've sold that many. What's um, interesting about that date is I think WWE is running here four times in that same week or something obscene. Um, but it's also interesting to compare what is your base of Chicago viewers or fans of this promotion versus, you know, the 10,000 they fill this arena with twice with people coming in from out of town, presumably. Um, just, uh, you know, interesting. We can sort of maybe see that distinction a bit more clearly now. I This is actually one of the numbers that I thought was kind of troubling. I don't like this <laughs> number. Uh, and my reason isn't just because of a baseline. It's that... They've made this into their home turf. Tony Khan made a big deal out of, okay, this is going to be the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and we want to make this kind of a thing. 
But as Nate said, there's already going to be a lot of WWE events going on during this time period. And I believe that coincides with uh, Survivor Series, I want to say. I want to say it's Survivor Series because that's when you'd have four events in an area over the same period of time. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of their home arena. Now, 4,000, you can make 4,000 look like 8,000. Like, I'm not worried about how it looks visually. I just, like, look at this and I see how the numbers have started to go down with each ticket sale. And I do think it's a good thing that they finally like broke that sellout streak because that was just purely unsustainable. And eventually it was going to end. And the sooner that streak ended, I feel like the better or the easily easier it gets deflated. You deflate that balloon. But I just wonder if running this venue and not really moving out of like the Eastern part of the United States and really uh, without going into like geographic semantics, you basically like draw a line at Chicago down to Tennessee and then across to Charlotte. And they've all run that Northeast quadrant. They've not moved out of that quadrant for this first three months of the promotion. And that's something that I think that they could have taken this time to be in a different cycle to start moving around just because they're going to need to start. Because to be honest, 4,000 considering you just ran there two months ago is something that, I, you could spin this number or something very bad, but you also can say, hey, it's a market that's going to be overly inflated with shows. So it's interesting. Yeah, I expect this. I mean, it's got plenty of time on this show and it's a holiday weekend. So wouldn't be surprising to me or holiday week. Wouldn't be surprising to me if they have a decent walk up or, you know, really close to showtime ticket sales for people realizing they're going to be in town or whatever and they can make it happen. So I don't know. I think it's good, but we'll find out. The... They've reported that the information sent by TNT for cable company listings for the debut TV show was just All Elite Wrestling as the name of the show, not Wednesday Night Dynamite. Uh, but Tony Khan said he didn't want that and there was going to be a name shortly. That's not really uh, that much of news now that I read it out loud, <laughs> but it is something that happened. So, Yeah, I, I thought that the name was going to be the news that came out today, not the title match. So, Yeah. I, I, I still don't like Dynamite as a show name, though. No, but it's like I didn't like all elite wrestling when that started, and I've gotten used to it, so it'd be fine. Okay, some other notes. Kylie Ray. So we learned at the All Out post show, uh, Tony Khan confirmed that Kylie asked for and was granted her release from AEW effective immediately. On a follow up question, he said that the split was amicable. That is all that we know for sure about this situation at this point. Yeah, and as the person that was there in the press conference, there was a very uneasy air, like. The Tony Khan footage is out there. I didn't publish ours just because I knew, because I saw by the time I got back in the hotel that Chris Van Vliet already has video up. Go look at Chris Van Vliet's videos. They do a pretty good job press conference. But yeah, it was pretty much everyone took that at face value at the press conference. And it just made it sound like that we're not, that that's what they want the final story to be. And we'll see if that ends up being the case as we go on. But it was a very... It was probably one of the more weird moments at press conference outside of incorporating the press in an angle without them knowing it. So whatever the story is here, it's a bummer. Uh, I was excited about Kylie Ray in this promotion and she was, it looked like going to be pushed as a big commodity in the company. Uh, you, I just remember maybe it was on a road too, but right after that press conference, when she got the moment where she comes out and she's got the dress on and everybody uh, goes crazy for her. And I just, she seemed so genuine in the road to video when she talked about how touching that was for her and kind of how she'd come up in her career. This was like a good 
thing to tell her like, oh yeah, you kind of made it, you know, you're, you're really in this uh, new big company and you're going to be a, a focal point. And so it's just personally sad just to see that nothing's going to come of that. Yeah, it stinks. <laughs> Great take. Okay. Something that we have been pushing on a lot. And I don't know that this fully answers the question, but it gives us some insight. We've wondered a lot, how is transportation being covered in this promotion? There's, of course, been a lot of talk about the fact that WWE does not pay for travel costs for while its talent are on the road. So you got to pay for a rental car. You got to pay for a hotel out of your own pocket. You're not being reimbursed for that. Meals, you know, there's no per diem, et cetera, et cetera. Except, you know, you get to the arena and they have catering. But the... On this week's uh, Talk is Jericho podcast, Chris Jericho said that AEW covers accommodations for everyone and puts them all in the same hotel. So we at least know that everybody got a hotel for the Chicago show. So that's good. Doesn't tell us about week to week on TV, but it's at least a bright spot. Yeah, it also seems like they were doing a lot of organizational housekeeping kind of stuff over this weekend, like they were doing medical meetings with talent and doing uh, scanning, face scanning with talent and stuff like that. So it could be that this is like their WrestleMania equivalent where they always bring all the talent to town and put them up in hotels and do that because there's, you know, all sorts of other stuff going on. Um, but like we saw, Kip Sabian was in BTE, even though he was not on this card at all. So just sort of uh, still hard to distinguish. Like like we've talked about, they're doing a, a, uh, a very effective job of like obscuring all this information. I have sent emails into their public relations department and have gotten zero response on this topic. So at least Chris Jericho is willing to talk about it a little bit. I mean, this could have been like the all hands meeting that y'all are talking about doing medicals and doing face scans and just doing, I think, general things and press stuff. Or it could be something going forward that they put it up. I mean, of course, they should be completely covered with all of this and you know, that's something that that's a question that I consistently pose. And I didn't get an opportunity to ask Tony Khan that, but that was a question that I was going to ask him was about that in healthcare. So it's nice to see, at least in this aspect, that they took care of them here. I think it was a pretty fair assessment or assumption that they took care of them also in Vegas. So maybe that's, I mean, I don't know if I can draw a conclusion there, but since they're not willing to say, okay, we cover everything on plane flights to, meals to cars to hotel but it's at least one thing that we know that they do it so i guess that we might be able to see assume that that's the case going forward well we're going to keep asking so when we get a chance we'll ask and hopefully we'll get an answer eventually i mean i would think you know for the employees there's going to be laws that cover reimbursements right. for certain things so you know if you even if you have to rent your rental car they're gonna to have to pay you back for mileage etc so employees are going to be treated slightly differently but i want to know but that doesn't federal law doesn't require all those reimbursements or paying for everything. So I would want to make sure that they're doing that and taking care of the people who aren't technically employees, even though they all should be employees unless they're allowed to work anywhere they want. Absolutely. And also, everyone, keep track of your miles. If you drive for work, keep track for your miles. At the very least, it's a tax write off. That's right. And any unreimbursed expenses. You guys mentioned that talent was being face scanned. Uh, Dave says it's either for action figures or a video game. So that really didn't get us any closer. What we do know is that Chris Mookie Ghana Harrington was also scanned. So we're either going to see a Mookie action figure or video game playable character soon. Yeah, I think that's uh, very fun to have an unlockable Mookie in the video game. Those are the kind of uh, 
you know, fun secret characters that, uh, you know, uh, 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 really drive interest and uh, help you have a good time. It's like when Fred Durst was in one of those SmackDown games. That was a good one. SmackDown like, 2. Uh, SmackDown 2. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, you know, Bill Clinton and uh, Prince Charles were in NBA Jam back in the day. <laughs> just, uh, I think the Beastie Boys were in one of those. Yeah. I just, I'm glad that Mookie's on that level now. I, I'm not going to be a party pooper about this because I pretty much have an idea of why Mookie got his head shot taken, but it's neat. I think it's cool. And you know, for a company like this, they got to reach out and do everything. I would maybe be hitting up Longhorn to see if they want to sponsor a match coming up, you know, just got to get those advertisers in. I will never knock the hustle as far as that goes. All right. That's pretty much it. Nate, you want to talk about BTE from this week? Yeah, I didn't take any notes though. So I'm going to (laughs) like, I'm going to like scrub through it here while I'm talking. Cool. Um, it's, it's it's a backstage at All Out episode, so uh, much like all the much like the Road Two show, it's a lot of sort of uh, recapping. Um, but what's uh, what's an interesting note? You get the Bucks doing their typical travel log signing stuff. You get a little uh, shot of the All In plaque that's on the exterior of the building. Uh, get a nice little moment with Hangman and the Bucks as they are meeting the horse Hunter Horse Helmsley. Get a very long shot of the horse practicing entering the arena. Uh, I wonder if it's tough for a you know, horse to enter on the uh, asphalt floor like that. It he seemed did, like uh, it was clomping a little bit going in there. Like it was having some issues. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's probably, they're probably pretty, uh, you know, slick floors. If he's got like fucking horseshoes on, probably not a lot of uh, friction there or tension. Um, first bit of the episode is Michael Nakazawa playing, Checkers, I forget what that game was called <laughs> with Tommy Dreamer. Uh, and really, the bit here was that Michael Nakazawa cheats to uh defeat Tommy Dreamers. Tommy Dreamer in Checkers, he takes a big bump off the Checkers game. Rick Knox, whose whole bit has been that he is uh being a vigilant ref outside of the ring, totally uh, uh does not see this cheating or looks past this cheating. And uh, Michael Nakazawa gets the win. As previously mentioned, Kip Sabian uh, meets with Adam Page and, uh, you know, tells him, hey, you know, big match tonight. You're really doing this for our generation and stuff. Uh, good little joke where Adam Page says, yeah, you know, I'm going to beat him. and It's not going to take me 19 minutes when they do a Jim Halpert look at the camera. Uh, we get an explanation as to why the lights went out when Orange Cassidy entered. It was Jungle Boy fooling around in the uh, equipment room there. Uh, and then they really just dropped the entire segment from uh, All Out here in the episode, which is uh, kind of neat because I had not seen the video of it since I was there live and everything. And the backstage stuff, backstage stuff, uh, press scrum. Da, da, da. You get some uh, you know, Jericho bonus footage here as he's berating people backstage. And then really the one takeaway here is at the end of the episode, you get Adam Page selling his loss. He's not pleased the the bucks enter and you know uh tell him he had a good match and everything and maybe want to cheer him up or take him out or something uh but page isn't feeling it he uh you know we saw the other week that he asked the bucks if they would second him for this match and and they weren't able to and uh you know maybe a little bit of distance there building between them now here's a fun fact two of the four members of the show or of last week's show have been we're on this episode of being the elite you just have to find us in the crowd. There's a fun Where's Waldo to play. You can see the back of my head. <laughs> you can see like a portion of me 
at one point. <laughs> just to be clear. Just like I am, my... I am not on the show. Sadly, yeah. Nate is not. But you know who else in EE lore is on the show? Evolve legend, Lenny Leonard. Backstage, Jericho walks by him and actually interacts with him. I'm sure Jericho <laughs> didn't know who he was, but uh, makes a little comment to him. And nobody had heard about any Lenny Leonard involvement with AEW. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, Jericho does not know anyone in NXT, so surely he does not know the commentary team in uh, the NXT B-League, um, as it were. Um, but, I mean, they have a lot of good... Lenny Leonard's good, but they have a lot of good commentators now. Kind of a, kind of a glut of commentators compared to other positions maybe on the roster, but would yeah. not complain if uh, Lenny Leonard was in the mix somewhere. I'll say this. There is... Other companies outside the WWE access who have had interest in Lenny Leonard before. So seeing him here, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I've heard about other companies that were interested in him. So it makes sense. Makes sense. But I always love seeing the big double L. He's one of my favorite commentators. So big ups to him. He got to go backstage. So good for him. Hope the catering spread was nice. I'd say Lenny is the best commentator in wrestling. That's my take. There it is. Fair. Fair. You, uh, I hope he gets involved. A lot of your takes, I'm just uh, observing, are like, this is the best ever. Mm-hmm. So that's a large percentage of your takes. You have to make, you have to take a strong side, Nate. Yeah. That's what gets, that's what gets the engagement going. It's what gets people worked up. You can't just say, I thought this was pretty good. It's like, you can't do the Aaron Taub. You, you have to come down strong on one side or the other. You can't say this was I fine. I feel like there's a there's a more um, you know uh, uh, interesting approach to analogize him to someone else or something. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna work on this. I think. Well, I hope he starts. This is, I mean, not to. This is why Oatgan respects my hot takes and uh, you know often dumps on yours. Yeah, well, Ogan hates me. That's why he dumps on my takes. <laughs> I think that's clear. Uh, I, I hope that he gets involved with the promotion because uh, he was absolutely a listener to Everything Evolves because he uh, famously subtweeted us on at least one occasion. Uh, because we like was just he, like was he annoyed that you called him the best ever? No, I criticized him one time, and I, maybe that's the one time he listened <laughs> to the show and he was pissed. Yikes! About it. Uh, Even though in every other show, I'm like he's the greatest of all time. So. Speaking of uh, evolved commentators, that uh, that Cody versus Jericho match was uh, announced by Justin Barrasso, a former evolved guest commentator. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> another famous EE um, character. Character, yeah. sure. Yeah, I got to. Uh, Bix was Bix did a little quote tweet and was like, "This, you know, this just looks bush league." I mean, the guy just reprints. I'm just going to dump on him because he's terrible. Yeah, he, uh, he just reprints reprints press releases, but like crams them full of the most unwieldy flourish flourishes and, and it's just got awful to read um and it just makes i mean let's he could not be more co-opted uh and bix was like you know honestly feeding stuff to this guy kind of makes you look like the wwe we're like hey, maxim magazine has a new hall of fame entrant being revealed on their website like this kind of sucks it's kind of stupid yeah it's bad i'm holding I, my tongue here <laughs> there's uh, yeah i mean barrazo has always been in the uh tank for whoever since some press releases i mean look at tony maglio our good friend so, oh, yeah. yes. tony maglio started getting all these wwe scoops now which is very funny to me meanwhile satin's like 
on there begging like, oh, I would love to have an exclusive, <laughs> you know, be fed a story and be credited for it on Raw one night. Like, dude, what? And Dave just had to be like, dude, you're missing the point. <laughs> did, did you all ever see, I'm sure you did, but you've seen the famous thing where like uh, with Savage and Hulk and Sting where they burn the uh, the Observer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they that talk rules. about World War Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That rules. And it like I think it catches Savage on fire, if I recall. Like, no. like one of his tassels, maybe. No, he's it. just he sells that he's very scared of it, which is like the the level of work that you know Randy Savage was on that nobody else in the business has been on since is that he was like True. a rich character who was like a huge badass and extremely cool and charismatic, but also like totally idiosyncratic idio fuck. What's the fucking word? Idiosyncratic. Idiosyncratic. Yeah, he has a lot of peccadillos, like, and his paranoia is like part of his character too. Yeah. So like, he sees this fire and he's like, "Oh, what the fuck? I'm scared of this." It's a great, great individual performance. That, you know, of, shout out to the Macho Man. One of my favorite things is to hear you, Nate, talk about old wrestling. Okay. I just don't imagine you. I mean, we've only been friends for a, a number of years. It's hard for me to imagine you watching old wrestling, even if you watched it when it happened. Mm-hmm. I just can only think of you as in this present moment. Well, yeah, I mean, it's really there was a there's a clear delineation really between when I only watched like the WWE and then like when I started watching New Japan and became like a genuine wrestling fan, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, before that, I was basically just a McMahon marker. So. You know, I'm basically a new person since uh, whatever that was, 2013. Sure. Hanma versus Masato Tanaka. Wow. The complete player. Well, I think we've exhausted everything there was to talk about this week. Um, we actually went longer than I expected. Well, you know, we we vamped a little there at the end, but I yeah, just... I, I really did a great job considering how miserable I am. Yeah, you've done a great job. I just wanted... Everyone to expect us to come out on Thursdays. You know, we'll we'll always be here for you. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to. Uh, either search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. That's Fuji with two eyes. And... That's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.